0: You're in the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene
1: Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast, and last week, I have to tell you, this was a spectacular show, probably one of the best shows ever. And the reason is because we got this guy who is, what, a Skinwalker Ranch insider, I worked as a security guard, and he sees stuff in Las Vegas identifying the NSA. What do you know about Chip, Chris? Well, first of all, Gene, I think we have more than that. I mean, Chip
2: is kind of like the frosting on the cake. What we have is a is a really cool show with three investigators of probably what I would consider, personally, the most important case ever in the annals of the paranormal, at least in North America, we have scientists that have been on this ranch monitoring the activity and we finally break that icy barrier, that that ceiling and get somebody from the inside to really, you know, come forward and talk to us. I really can't go into details about how I uh, became aware of CHIP and others. Uh, Chip is CHIP is only the tip of the iceberg. There are other people that are interested in talking about their experiences while being involved with the managers of that particular ranch facility in Utah. I can't really go into much detail, but I have seen enough documentation and things that totally pass my my credulity test and my, my litmus test for viability in terms of a of a real source. And you know, I, I hate to sound all cryptic and everything, but there are legal issues involved here as as I'm sure some of our listeners are aware. These people have signed non-disclosure agreements and by coming forward, they're violating those. So I, I really have to be careful from a legal standpoint of how much I say. But but let's put it this way. You know, Gene, I've been involved in this this line of uh, investigative work for, for a while. And, and there are certain levels of, of credibility that need to be met in my mind. And, and Chip is one of uh, a number of sources that have met this uh, particular litmus test, <laughs> let's put it that way. And we have to
1: understand with someone like Bob Bigelow, in charge of what goes on at Skinwalker. Well, Uh, ostensibly so, but that's why I'm even more... That makes disclosure very difficult because he puts strict control over the information that comes out. When he tried to do that deal with MUFON, the mutual UFO network where he gave them money, it was going to be everything going in and very little coming out. Well, how about his arrangement, a
2: rumored arrangement? I've never seen documentation of this, but it's rumored that Bigelow also has a sweetheart deal with the FAA. And they are funneling potential UFO reports to his organization. That never came up on the show, but that's something that, that a few people have heard, I'm sure, out there on the grapevine. I'd, I'd like to get one of our listeners to uh, come up with some documentation to establish you know, this alleged uh, rumored relationship.
1: Well, one of the things about keeping secrecy, if you funnel it through private industry, yeah, it's that's one way, one sure yeah. way that Oh, even yeah. if things are disclosed accidentally through freedom of information documents, etc., the real secrecy is kept under a black project money. I mean, as we learned about government, they don't keep track of every dollar that goes in and out of that place.
2: Right. What, what's the latest that the budget uh, had $2 billion uh,
1: that were earmarked for the Defense Department? And they're saying we didn't ask for that. Yeah. I think that's $2 trillion. It's even worse. They want to add. In the budget, $2 trillion for the Defense Department because of these cuts. $2 trillion? $2 trillion, yeah. You know, what's a zero among friends? Oh. Ow! Yeah, what's a zero among friends?
3: Yeah.
1: And the Pentagon says, well, I, we don't need it. But, of course, you have to think even the money they do get. There's a lot of waste going on there. And it's so easily to move things off book. I mean, how did they finance the Iraq War and the Afghanistan War during the previous administration? It was off the books. And that's something that costs, what, a couple of trillion dollars? You do that with something like spending money and sending it to private industry for special projects.
2: Right. Well, we know a lot of that money is funneled into um, exotic technology development, uh, um, special projects, black projects, however you want to earmark it or call it. Um, I'm, I'm sure the underground facility installation budget is uh, has been... <laughs> substantial over the years it just really goes to show you gene that we're living that chinese curse of interesting times this this type of of fiscal irresponsibility and and lack of transparency it just can't go on anymore i'm i'm uh, beside myself with uh
1: consternation about much of what goes on in this country but we're getting off topic right i think it started with just talking about skinwalker ranch and what went on there right and what association someone like a Bob Bigelow would have. We're talking about somebody worth about a billion dollars, a rich private investor who is capable of getting involved in all sorts of transactions. And you have to think, he's small potatoes compared to someone like the Koch brothers, or Warren Buffett, or Bill Gates. They have many billions of dollars, and we don't know that they can't stick a few billion into one venture or another, and some of that may come back to what we're doing here. I mean, yeah. Paul Allen, one of the Microsoft co-founders, is Man, in the space program. Man, that would be nice if it came back in my direction. <laughs> I'll tell you, we'll make a bid. You know, imagine <laughs> if someone just came over and came to the PowerCast and said, "I'm going to promote your show. Here's hundred million dollars."
2: listeners take notes very closely.
1: Here's hundred million dollars. You two hosts don't have to starve and have to suffer with tiny paychecks. You get the real money. Well, I ain't starving. Shiny sure.
2: paychecks. I mean, that's.
1: Gee. I mean, listen, they're paying Rush Limbaugh $40 million a year. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, that's just to cover his Oxycontin.
1: Is that all it is? <laughs> is that all there is? I wonder what, for example, Alex Jones, who's the flagship act at GCN Network, what does he get? He gets a few million, of course.
2: I would think Alex makes, uh, makes some serious scratch, yeah.
1: Even George Norrie. Let me yawn. <sighs> George Norrie, or as we call him, George Snorrie. Sure, he's making what five million dollars from ghost to ghost, boring right. people to
2: death. Yep. Well, in the meantime, we do have a show to do today, and I'm I'm happy to announce that we have a couple of uh, co-speakers at the upcoming UFOcon conference, uh, September fifteenth and sixteenth and seventeenth in San Francisco. I will be there. I kind of got lassoed into this gig uh, without knowing some of the other speakers. I must say, I don't want to sound, uh, uh, what would be the word? Uh, well, they're sending you a did. plane ticket, right? <laughs> they're sending me a plane ticket. And you're going to go to San Francisco without but flowers in your hair. I have never spoke, or met, for that matter, Alfred Weber, Laura Eisenhower, what's his name, Andrew Bassaggio. Uh I've never met these individuals, and I'm going to be sharing the podium with them. Do you oh. think I should bring my, my trickster uh, hat and maybe play a little... Uh, have some fun and games, or for the true believer
1: Kool Aid? Sure, I think that'd be worthwhile. But I mean, you know, you're not the first one. Stanton Friedman has been on stage with people whose beliefs might be considered well, well Richard a little Dolan's going to be there,
2: and sure. also our two guests, uh, Ruben Urarte, and uh, well, there's going to be there's going to be some good speakers there as well. Richard Dolan will be there. Uh, Michael Schrat, whose uh, aerospace investigative work I, I admire, Ruben Uarte and Harry Drew, our two guests today, are also going to be speaking. And I'm looking forward to talking uh, to Harry, number one, because of the the news that's been out here recently about about new information about the Kingman UFO crash. And uh, of course, Ruben is always involved in some really cool stuff. He's also putting on a conference down in Presidio, Texas, which uh, I'm sure we'll talk about. And it's going to be a good show. And I'm looking forward to Touching bases with these guys once I'm out in San Francisco and and of course meeting up with Rich Dolan again and and this is going to be fun and we're going to have a good show.
1: So I want to know again that Kingman, Arizona, is not just the place I stop for some coffee when I'm traveling to Las Vegas. We're going to be no, in that. Oh. No, actually,
2: Kingman Kingman has a really interesting history. I did a haunted site investigation there um, at at a
1: particular hotel in town that. Used so I, to I should have stayed to- on. I should have stayed on. And maybe one of these days, on the road from Phoenix to Las Vegas, I'll stop at Kingman, I'll investigate something, and then I'll get abducted. No, that's not quite the way I intended it. And I suppose some of our listeners would be glad if I'm abducted during a trip of that nature. But things do happen to me, but not quite that drastic. We yeah. have Ruben Yorte and Harry Drew. Coming up next, you're in The Paracast. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out asseenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, scene one Go to asseenontv.com to order, save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest as-seen-on-TV items, save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366, 1-866-277-3366, the code SCENE1 to save 10%.
4: Good day, Jim Newcomer from Midas Resources, September seventh, twenty twelve. Gold open this morning at sixteen ninety six twenty. A one ounce gold coin can be purchased for seventeen thirty eight twenty eight, eight sixty nine fourteen for a half ounce, or four hundred thirty-four sixty seven for a quarter ounce. That's 1738 28, 869 14, and 43467.
5: Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? Wait a sec. Gold and silver is going up while Congress is trying to settle on the next debt increase. And there's no end to this madness. That old 401k and IRA can be converted into physical gold without tax consequences. I explain this in my book, 10 Reasons to Buy Gold. Don't let time slip away. Call for your free copy today, 800-686-2237. Get away from that Washington spin and get honest answers about gold. 800-686-2237. The book is free, 800-686-2237.
6: What's safer and cheaper than prescription drugs?
7: Glad you asked. The answer is Renovation Teas. Herbal remedies are much safer and much cheaper than prescription drugs. Taste great, and most importantly, herbal teas are effective and non-addictive. Renovation Tea is especially unique, and here's why. We spent years researching herbs and their beneficial properties. Since 1974, Evelyn Gibson has helped thousands of people live healthier,
8: happier, and more productive lives. Gibson's GibsonsHealth.com demonstrates, educates, and inspires customers to replace their healthy, roastive lifestyles with a health-enhancing one. Now, Gibson's Health.com is pleased to offer AIM Ready Beats Pure Juice Powder. Beet juice has long been known as a blood purifier and builder of red blood cells. The American Heart Association says one in three adults has high blood pressure and hypertension. Researchers found that a daily glass of beet juice beats high blood pressure and not only that just a teaspoon or two a day of ready beets powder increased stamina by 16 percent certainly drinking beet juice daily is a better solution than most meds with their side effects order your fresh convenient form juice powder of this amazing vegetable called ready beets from gibsonshealth.com to buy at wholesale prices call 800-388-6844 or go to gibsonshealth.com gibson's healthful living since 1974 over 30,000 healthier customers We'd like to hear from you. If you have a
0: comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: With Gene and Chris, we have Harry Drew joining us. Ruben Norte is going to be on just a little bit later. Now, Harry is known very much because of the Kingman UFO crashes. We're talking about Kingman Arizona, and as Chris mentioned in our previous segment, Kingman, Arizona has been the site of lots of interesting paranormal events. But let's just start with the UFO crashes. And we hear, of course, about Roswell and to a lesser degree about Aztec. Harry Drew, tell us, why should we be interested in the possibility of a crash at Kingman, Arizona? Tell us more.
9: I think probably the... Well, I need to give you a little explanation here, but the number one reason to be interested in the uh, Kino crashes, plural, is that I have found the sites. And I'm uh, a former museum director and curator of history, archaeology, and anthropology, a historian uh, with uh, published books going back 40 years and using the methodology and professional protocol that is required of my profession. I did that in regard to the Kingman crash story beginning in 2006. I live near Kingman, and uh, so it's like common knowledge to the older set that are here. And so I began the process of looking at some of the things online and quickly determined what I label as exaggerators and the various stories about it and I had to go to places where you can really get hard reliable data, museums, research libraries, um, Bureau of Land Management, uh, USGS, different places where I could start gathering documentation dating back to 1856 and walk it forward because I needed to know simple things that every everyone that does real research needs to know about an area as far as what roads actually existed in 1953 and then take the mindset of how things are in 1953. This is retro, and it's very important from the sense that all of the UFO stories seem to come from, and the incidents uh, date back to 1947 with the Roswell crash. And if we don't understand the validity and the evidence that's involved in early crashes, it's going to be an extreme challenge to try to make sense of anything happening now, and technology changed, and as it changed, people's thinking about what what they're going to see or how what they're supposed to be able to see in UFOs changes with it. And the very earliest drawings um, in the previous century of UFOs, which are machines, and they to make them look streamlined, they do drawings of those back then, showing bridge rivets that were used on what were considered contemporary iron bridges to replace bolts. so well here you bring up UFOs. a really good
2: point you bring up a really good point that the technology that 's observed by witnesses tend to mirror the level of technology of the time, if if not maybe a little ahead of that, so I think your point is well taken, and Paracast listeners are pretty up to speed and, and pretty sophisticated, I must say. And and that's one element that we've been talking about for years now is the witnesses seem to be painting in details, uh, and 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 they tend to to progress and change um, as the years go by. So uh, that's that's a really interesting point. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep keep going.
9: No, it's uh, it's welcome, and but it's just a, an example of something that. Um, that I looked at and you really have to to get a grasp of this. And we really have some people out in uh la la land of net the internet who profess to be experts on Kingman, and it's just amazing. Uh, one of them said, if a UFO crash isn't in the newspaper, like your local newspaper, then it never happened. And if it's not in the paper, that just means that because it's top secret, it never made it in the paper. Right. You know, I mean, the reality of it. But anyway, let me jump over to the fact there were very credible witnesses in, uh, who were on site at the Kingman crash, and uh, who have been demonized, unfortunately, or minimalized at well, the very least. Well, Harry, let's, some-
2: let we're going to get into all that. We, we've got plenty okay. of time to dive in. Let's all start right. back at the beginning. Where do we get our first indication that there was an unusual event, or events, all actually, right. in Kingman? Uh-huh. Let's, let's kind of take, take our, our first-time listeners, people that aren't up to speed on this particular mm-hmm. case, and kind of bring them up to speed quickly. Let's start at the beginning.
9: Okay, picture Mayberry, USA, the old Andy Griffith Show, okay, and we're talking late 1940s, early into 1953, and Kingman, Arizona, 3,500 people, good people, uh, a lot of hardworking miners involved, but they're out in the hinterland because that's where the mines are, and Kingman was kind of a hub, and it had... And it basically had two roads and ultimately had all the way up to three, sort of, two and a half by 1953. But in 1947, we have Roswell, July 2, very famous. We all know about Roswell. Nobody here in the Southwest knew a thing about Roswell at all. There's no television. They had very poor well, there was television, and, but
1: it wasn 't really seen that much in the small towns. It was largely confined to larger yes. cities
9: well the story was killed the next day by the military denying it was a saucer and et cetera and but it never made it here but here 's the point: five days later. July seventh, 1947, two businessmen are flying in a private plane back to the Kinmen Municipal Airport because it was no longer a military base. It had stopped being a military base in forty-five, And they're flying back. And all of a sudden, they come under major attack by close, almost ramming, flying disks. You're saying attack. I,
1: I need to ask you to... Hold on, let's talk about that. Attack, do you mean that these craft actually attacked one of ours?
9: They, didn't, they weren't firing weapons. I'm not implying that, nor is that stated in the documentation. What happened was, and they're talking from air to ground, air to the tower, okay, the civilian tower, and they're scared out of their lips because they're being buzzed. At close quarters by multiple UFOs, and they landed safely. And, it's, and the scenario is by then well, this is Mayberry, 1947, you know, came in Arizona, and the local reporter with a pencil above his ear hears about this, and he's out there to talk to them when they when they land. And it's almost like they're kissing the ground to be able to get out of the plane because they thought they were going to die, and they were UFOs. Nobody else knows this, okay, because it didn't go out on the AP wire or end up on CNN or any of those things because it didn't exist much. And well, we have the AP wire,
1: of course, and we have the UPI wire, but we surely true. didn't have yep. CNN, which is what, came out in the 1980s. Yep. So this is a time yep. where a lot of events could have happened and not be in the 24-7 yep. news cycle as we are now. We're going to get into more of that in a moment. We have yep. Harry Drew, and we're focusing on... Reports of UFO crashes in Kingman, Arizona in 1953. This is six years after Roswell. Ruben Yarte is going to join us a little bit later on the show with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
10: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important.
1: Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
3: Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home, but you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure, denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843.
13: Here it is, another election year. And here you are again wishing you knew more about the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, the other amendments, and the Declaration of Independence. But who has the time to study? Wouldn't it be nice if you could simply listen to them? And wouldn't it be great if they came packaged with an index? Yep, an index that lets you go to any part of the founding documents just by punching in a track number on your computer or CD player. What exactly is the Ninth Amendment? Track 10, play. It's that simple. The Founding Documents Collection on Audio CD. To get yours now, just go to Amazon.com and type in Founding Documents Collection CD. For just $19.95 and $3.99 shipping and handling, you'll have the firepower you need to argue from the ultimate facts that form our nation's foundation. Want to be a hero? Get one for you and give another to your local school for Constitution Day. Go to Amazon.com now and type in Founding Documents Collection CD.
14: This is Kurt and the author of UFO Mysteries, and you're listening
1: to the
15: Paracast.
1: With Gene and Chris, our guests are Harry Drew and Ruben Yarte, who will be speaking with us momentarily. He is, by the way, talking to us from his car, but he assures us it's safe and that he's not doing anything dangerous. Hey, Gene, he's a California driver. Uh, so On the other hand... of in the territory. <laughs> Well, there you go. If you're a California I think it's illegal, driver, actually, it. but we won't tell. We're not saying anything. He's probably doing hands-free. So that's it. He's not really holding that cell phone in his hand. So, Harry, you and I were basically engaged in putting together the early information about the Kingman crash and painting a picture of what the United States was like then, because we're talking about Mayberry, USA, traditional small-town America. We didn't have the 24-7 communications that we have today. You know, we had TV, but not quite as much. We had Captain Video on TV if you wanted to see science fiction. This is two years after the Day the Earth Stood Still came out. We didn't have 24-7 cable. We didn't have FM radio. It was still, you know, in testing. Does that kind of cover it right there, Harry?
9: It does. Um, I said AP, and and I'm used to because of my research. Uh, They called it Associated Press. So they didn't bother the acronym. I will tell you this, that the uh, entire story of the two pilots of a bus was on the front page of the Kingman, Kingman Daily Minor newspaper, which will be about 130 years old this year or next. And the following day in Prescott, Arizona, with 100 miles of... Kingman, there were a swarm of uh, uh, flying discs seen and then an interesting thing from Associated Press that said tabulators had triggered, after checking with all the 48 states at the time, that 41 of the states out of 48 states were already being buzzed by UFOs, flying discs. And, um, and more importantly to me, um, this being... About five or six days, rather, away from Roswell, an official spokesman for the Army Air Force in Washington admitted to flying saucers and indicated that they lacked sufficient equipment to blanket the nation to protect us. How's that? I've never heard of that before, and I'm holding it in my hand. You know, and okay, so that's, that's stage, that's the stage of 1947. We move up to 1953, the military has been gone for eight years. Uh, there's no presence here other than three separate radar systems set up, and there's experimentation going on with engineers to try to develop a bigger uh, and more powerful range until the new radar systems coming out in 1955 will be there and so they're overdriving the radar and my consulting engineer who by the way designed the flight control system that was used uh, and was with james cameron six months ago and look he's been out to the sites with me and examined some physical evidence and everything i have but he did computations in regard to the radar here, it figures in very importantly. And what they were trying to do is increase the range to about one hundred and fifty miles, normal range, twenty five miles, you want fifty you double. They were trying to run systems overdriven by about twenty four
1: times. We're getting too technical here. Overdriving yeah, yeah. a system means that basically you're taking equipment and running it way beyond its design limits. And it was
9: killing birds in flight. Locals complained because birds were being shot out of the air by high-energy microwave radiation.
2: Are you suggesting, Harry, that, that it's these um, uh, superactive radar units that possibly were responsible for bringing down craft?
9: The Air Force thought that enough that they wrote it down in internal communication. And, wow! And the okay, question you right, say the Harry. Question Harry, right,
1: excuse me, Harry. Yeah. You said internal communication. Is this something you have a copy of?
9: That particular letter you can find quite easily on on um I think it's on the cover jacket uh, of one of Doctor Greer's books. You know, everybody knows about this, right? right? But if they if, if why they went down, it's why it was because of the radar, and what happened in here was this is on a flyway for UFOs. It still is a flyway for UFOs. We have UFOs here still, and. One morning, all these, these stations, at which were set up in a triangular layout, okay, they turned on the radar, and there came the next UFO, and whatever it did to what was described to me by a living witness who was one of the Air Force recovery team who were flown here, and they basically flew right into this net or triangular frequency and it caused some kind of problem. And the first one went down on the 18th of May, it landed, it did not crash. And for those people who don't believe in the Kingman crash and who believe in the Area 51 UFO reverse engineering project, I have to tell you that the UFO at Area 51 and S4 everyone has talked about and was being reverse engineered, is the human UFO craft?
1: Okay. Now we are adding uh, a lot of details here. A lot of details. It's not just a simple <laughs> thing because we now have, we now have several different factors here that we have to contend with. One, we have a crash of a UFO. Then we have it going to Area Fifty One, which we would certainly want to see how you support that when we get to that. No, level. Okay. Gene, said
2: it landed. It didn't crash.
1: Okay, so it landed. It, landed. it didn't crash. It landed. That's okay, correct. so it landed, but it, it stayed eight. there. Is what you're saying? Did it take off or did it stay there?
9: No, it didn't take off. There was a team. There was there was a team assembled. Uh, 15 specialists from who basically were working on upshot, knothole, a attachment, flat, Nevada bomb testing going on. Uh, doctor, uh, a doctor ahead of the project sent one of one of these specialists who became a witness to this and made statements to the researcher Raymond Fowler. The man's name was, is, well, was Arthur Stansel, uh, and uh, he, he had a degree in physics and mathematics and engineering, and he really was into highly top-secret work. And he met a, with a bus at Phoenix after being flown from Indian Hills Air Force Base. And they were bussed out to the site near Kingman. They arrived in the dark, and there it sat. And it didn't have a scratch on it. Uh, the crew had been picked up by the Advanced Air Force Recovery Team and immediately sent on to Groom Lake. Okay, that now I need
1: seven. to ask you a lot of questions here because there are several thousand okay, considerations. They were sent to Groom Lake in '53
9: i had I had a living witness, a um, now deceased, a retired full bird u s Air Force colonel and test pilot, and the United States Air Force who was on six recoveries. This was one of them, and he said to me to my face, don't you let anybody try to tell you that they were taking the Wright Patterson because they went on. They were taken straight up to Green Lake. Groom Lake, the facility that was at Groom Lake was a former Army Air Force Base, and it was handed off to Edwards as an annex for the experimental work that was going on with Edwards. And they became, it became, as we know, Area 51. And okay, that, so this and was had not had Area, Area 50 51. Excuse
1: me, hall. excuse me, we're going ahead of ourselves here. This was not Go Area on. 51 at this particular point in time.
9: No, it's Grim Lake. It's a it's a retired Air Force military base that was handed off to Edwards. Edwards didn't sit around on their walls, They began doing stuff with the base immediately, and then he got major funding in 1955. You can check it out. It's a congressional fact. You know, the money was handed down to the military uh, to upgrade, and new radar systems were done. The radar, the three that were here in 53 we were removed in 1955, and a massive, almost, almost like a backscatter came in, that's, that from that is still here, okay? I mean, you can see it. You can drive right down Old Town, Kingman, and it's right there, and it had to have cooked or gave a lot of people cancer and all kinds of problems, because it's right smack in the middle of the Old Town.
1: Well, no, I understand you and- were are really going far afield. I want to get back to the core case, because we've added lots of details here, and we first have to see obviously that this landed but didn't take off again so maybe it's not a crash but it could be a crash landing that damaged the craft we have to ask a lot more questions harry drew it
9: didn't, cr- I, I, yeah,
1: it didn't. I i need to do the break i need to harry <laughs> drew ruben yarte joining gene and chris you're in the Paracast. Yeah.
10: The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio.
1: GCN. Great talk radio starts here. We also have swag. You know, we have all these exclusive Paracast things that you can buy. We've got like, I guess, 60 or so different items. And entails T-shirts, sleeves for notebook computers, iPad cases, mouse pads, the Paracast jumbo tote bag Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour.
6: That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to fake. FakeTV.com or call 1-877-5-FakeTV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95, so get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-F-A-K-E-T-V or go to fakeTV.com. FakeTV.com, the burglar deterrent.
11: or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com.
3: Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are
9: tuned into the Paracast. Let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here
3: that you probably won't
1: hear anywhere else. Hear that, George Snorri? We have Ruben Yorte, who will be speaking in a few moments, speaking from his motor vehicle safely, we understand. We have Harry (laughs) Drew, and we're focusing with Gene and Chris on the PowerCast on the report of a UFO landing at Kingman. Now, you're saying here it didn't crash, Harry, but it didn't take off, which I guess is unusual. You kind of think if this craft just landed, why didn't it take off again if it it wasn't damaged? Yeah, it was disabled. Okay, so it's a crash so, so landing what in do we, sense. You
2: know, I wanna find out what what about this recovery team? I mean, how many entities were aboard? How 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 was the uh I, I guess put into custody uh scenario played out? I mean, I'm I'm a little confused on those details too. Harry? <laughs> so, somebody? Yeah, Harry, I'm talking to you, man. Uh okay. you said that the pilots were were taken into okay. some sort of custody, right?
9: Yep. Yeah. All right. But, Absolutely. Um, the crew. The description of the crew is interesting as well. The crew was actually outside the craft. The craft did not crash. Uh, the craft went actually went a few miles before whatever was wrong with it caused it to descend, and they made they made a landing in an area that the specialist uh, that came there along with forty scientists um, to look at later, uh, and he didn't see the aliens, but the craft was described as basically at a slight tilt. I have drawings of the craft from the time.
2: Harry, uh, are we talking about local eyewitnesses, or are we talking about official? Uh, there
9: There were 12 local eyewitnesses to this, and there were as many as 15 local witnesses, including the rancher Leonard Neal. Who saw the Red Lake vehicle come down four days later? That one crashed. It ricocheted off the top of a butte, Yeah, let's shot. not get ahead what of was, ourselves.
2: Let's let's okay. talk about okay. the the initial the initial event. All
9: right. Um, there was no military presence here other than radar operators and some engineers. They couldn't do anything about it. They knew the thing went down, but there was nothing. So the the advance team came they uh, immediately got okay, how long did it take secret
2: how long did it take them to uh be notified and arrive on site
9: about the time the craft hit the ground they were already assembling all right and they had to fly it took them about two hours to get to the Kingman. they trucked the out. Okay, so out. within two
2: hours of that thing light, uh, alighting on the ground, uh, the government, the military, was, was present on site.
9: Their response time was very fast. Um, there were already military police en route, and they cordoned off and set a perimeter there before the sunset on the 18th of May. It did not happen at night. Then they started quickly trying to determine where they could get equipment to recover the craft and get it out of there. It was very special because it was whole. It wasn't damaged. The crew left and was taken uh, to Green Lake. That's outside of the periphery of what I'm trying to check into. You know how long they were there, what they went after. I don't know. I didn't investigate it. I'm trying to find out about what well, happened. Harry, how here. much do we know
2: about the actual apprehension uh, scenario that went on between military personnel and the crew of the craft? I mean, what do we know about that particular uh, chain? I know.
9: I know. The, I know the physical description. I know that there was a verbal in English conversation with. One who seemed to represent the other three. It wasn't telepathic, it was just talking. So you're saying, you're the, saying
2: one, of, one of the three crew members uh, from this craft were able to speak and understand English?
9: Based on the information supplied to me by Colonel, retired and now deceased Colonel Wendell Stevens, who was amongst the recovery team, and who was still awed by the fact when he told me about this during an interview, he his first reaction was their description and it was, they were human. That's how he described them. Mm. And he said, they were about Did they have German accents? To me, to me,
2: huh? Did they have German accents? <laughs> like, what do you
15: do with <laughs> not, your radar? Hey,
9: listen. Not to, not that he told me, okay? And all of everyone that I interview, as a historian, everyone needs to understand, and it'll be in the book where you can see it, and it's in hidden, uh, hidden in plain sight, the King of the Crashers, is that when I do an interview with humans that are alive, our people, here and now, it's as told to me. So if they have a perspective that is different than I might have, they're going to share that. And that's what I'm conveying to you. These aren't my words. They are his words. I understand that, Harry. But you've given a lot of
2: ammunition to the uh, man-made UFO um, enthusiasts that uh, read uh,
9: books by Joseph Farrell. Yeah. Yeah. The difference was their eyes were set slightly further apart, but not the large things we typically see in illustrations, which doesn't mean that there is extraterrestrials don't exist, and further, that they had their, uh, the lower part of their face was more heart-shaped or more pointed down by the chin. I can tell you of a third crash only in the sense that, um, because I don't want to jump past a whole bunch of things here, that the newspaper saw two of that crew, and they're described on the front page of the newspaper as two strange-looking men. Okay? This is for real. And it's even yeah. in the newspaper. Some of Go to
2: any club in any city, and I'll find you two strange-looking men.
9: <laughs> you got it. That's correct. <laughs> and or, maybe it's one of them. Is, think this about it, ladies stuff. and gentlemen. Well, not when they have a disc that flew into the mountain, set it on fire, and it got everybody upset. Okay. A third one came down and hit the north face of the Wallapai Mountain and set it on fire. And the story about that, which we'll never have time to talk about, is amazing because of what happened after they were taken to the sheriff. So, anyway, the first craft... Was a problem for the Air Force to recover. Uh, it just so happens Camp Irwin changed its designation from infantry to armor. That is over by Barstow, California, a direct route, uh, on 66, Highway 66. The Kingman, and uh, the first thing that happens, an M25 tank transporter comes zipping through a Little Kingman. The following day, that caused the sheriff and the undershore to go out to the area. The only road, only road from Phoenix, okay, and it was only and it was only graded
16: sand.
1: Let me just clarify mm-hmm. something here, okay, Harry? Before we go on, I need to clarify yep. something, okay? Now, you mentioned one of your sources is, of course, Lieutenant Colonel Wendell Stevens, who is also known in the UFO field as someone who was actively Uh, involved in UFO research. Who else can you name as a source for this information? Say it again. Who else other than Lieutenant Colonel Stevens? Arthur
9: Stansel. Uh, Arthur Stansel, who was uh, who had a degree in physics, who had a degree, he worked at Wright Patterson twelve years before the Air Force transferred him to Operation uh, Upshot Knodell, the atomic bomb blast tests at Frenchman Flat, Nevada.
15: Now he and was also he a
9: participant
1: was, here. He was involved and, in the recovery. And
9: and there was and there was a no, excuse, me, excuse me, taken from him.
1: Yeah, Harry, he was involved in the recovery.
9: Pardon. Bill U-House, and then relatives of Leonard Neal, cousins of Leonard Neal, including the aviation historian and museum curator of the Cuban Army Air Force
1: Museum. And you're saying basically that every one of these people was involved in this recovery?
9: I'm telling you that two of them were on site. That was... Arthur Stancil, his alias was Fritz Lerner, when the report was done with him by uh, um, the esteemed and well-respected researcher Raymond Fowler, and um, Wendell Stevens, who these men independently gave their version without benefit of having communicated with anyone else. Uh, I also have testimony from the Reverend Short, who uh, spoke with a doctor, a Ph.D. out of um, Tucson, who was awakened in the middle of the night and transported up here to examine this, and he was connected with uh, and had access to Project Blue Book.
1: Okay, and we'll get into more of this in just a moment. We have Harry Drew. We'll be hearing shortly from Ruben Yorte with Gene and Chris. You're in The
15: Bearcast.
10: America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now,
1: here's Jane Steinberg. With Gene and Chris, we have Ruben Yorte and Harry Drew, and we are talking today, at least we started talking, about the unusual happenings in Kingman, Arizona, about UFO crashes, but not necessarily crashes, but landings. Got them both, Gene. Yeah. Well, we started off with a landing, and we'll get into the crashing in a few moments. Ruben, can you tell us about this event that's coming up? And this is going to be just a few days after our folks hear this episode, which is being broadcast on September 9th. Ruben.
16: Um, Hope you can hear me. In fact, I'm almost at my destination. I'm going to pull over, so that way uh, I won't have to worry about uh, driving too much here. Basically, uh, we're having the first annual uh, UFOCon, which is going to be held at the Marriott Hotel in Santa Clara on, uh, on Friday, which is on September 14th, and then the actual conference itself is September 15th and 16th. We're going to have a number of great speakers, and I'm looking forward to uh, listening to Christopher O'Brien and also, uh, Mr. Harry Drew. I'm really, I'm very interested in the crash retrieval research, as, uh, both my co-author, Noe Torres, and I have been working on a number of cases, uh, primarily uh, dealing with crash retrievals along the Southwest U.S. and Mexican border. I also will be talking briefly about MUPON. I'm the state director for Northern California. I'm also the uh, deputy director of investigation for international affairs. It's a title that I, that I work very closely with our international chapter.
1: Sounds like quite an event. We'll look forward to seeing all these great guests. Of course, Chris will be there, and he'll be reporting back the following week on the Paracast.
2: Yeah, I've got my trickster hat on, Gene. Oh, boy. going to be fascinating then.
1: Okay, Harry, Drew, we were talking about the early events and the people who were present on site. Now, this first was a landing but not a crash, but obviously something was damaged because it couldn't take off again or it made no effort to take off again.
9: I think it was just incapable of because I can't tell you what was wrong with it, but it sounded like from the distance it was able to continue on after having going through this triangular configuration of uh, modulating uh, overpowered high, who knows, they had no idea what they were doing, and so they wouldn't know how powerful uh, the emissions were. But these craft which are not interplanetary vehicles, according to what I'm being told about. As far as they come from some other place, the, uh, or mothercraft, or they come from a base, and that's and that's pretty much the, the sense of the whole thing. Is they came from. So, a in base. other words,
2: they fly big Rolls Royces uh, to the uh, star system here, and then they dispatch yugos that could be brought down by know, radar. That, that's one yeah. of the things about about these these early crash retrieval you know, potential cases uh being ascribed to dysfunctionality uh based on some sort of radar frequency. I you would think something somebody, some you know, civilization coming light years to this planet.
9: I heard that argument. Yep. I've heard that same argument and I can only answer it this way. That's the way we think. And I'm telling you what has happened here and because I have found the sites and they are as they were the day the Air Force left, I'm the last. You know, they're the last one there. I'm the next person. Okay, the, and, all right. You and, said,
1: uh, Harry, as they were when the Air Force left. So we're going back to 1953. Okay, so we're talking right. about 59 years ago. As we do this show, Correct. this is unchanged. This is out in the 70- field somewhere. Is it this location? See, w- wouldn't people have visited the area over the years to look at this place where UFO landed? I've stood where it landed. Hey. Have you flown on a jet airplane, commercial jet? A number of times, yes.
9: Okay, you've been. Have you ever heard any warnings about from the from the crew saying, "Turn off your laptops, turn off your cell phones"? Right, but uh, you know what? I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something.
1: All right. Right nowadays, Harry, there are more and more. I know, but I need to finish this, Harry. There are more and more reports that the airlines are considering allowing people to use their mobile equipment, and you know why? Because they really don't cause any damage. It's more of a fear than a reality. In fact, a That's lot of these days, a lot of pilots, he, excuse me,
9: just confirmed that there is interference, even in the shielding along the fuselage they have installed.
1: Well, you know what? If you look at current reports, airlines are seriously considering this. It's also reported that a lot of pilots are using iPads. Yeah, no,
9: cool. I just flew back from Cincinnati. I was just, um, the one of the principal speakers at the International Lutheran Symposium, and they make you shut everything down on those planes. Yes,
1: they do. But nowadays, excuse me, Harry. If nowadays, if Harry. Harry we can't have a conversation if you awesome keep. To Harry, words in Harry, you gotta let me speak, okay? We can't have a conversation if you're gonna keep talking over me, okay? Yeah, I nice understand enough. your point, but the point is that, and you can look it up yourself that more and more airlines are testing, allowing people to use their cell phones, use their mobile devices, even during the landing process, use stuff like an sure. iPad or a Nexus yeah. 7 or something. So this is not unusual. And as a matter of fact, they're coming to the conclusion
2: yeah, that but Wi-Fi Jane, we're, doesn't we're getting, hurt. We're getting bogged down in some minutiae here. Perhaps their technology yep. was not aware some for some reason of the adverse effects of radar on their inertial navigation or propulsion well, maybe systems. Maybe so the but think, you kind of think, think sat down. You kind of think Chris is- that
1: you know Chris that a race this advanced able to come up with technology that allows them to travel what well, I, know. I know, I know, the argument. Whatever, Not we know the suspended argument. Suspending
2: disbelief and trying to cut to the chase with Harry here. Okay, let's I, I suspend really our like disbelief. Our disbelief is, is
1: suspended. Events to cover here. Yeah. And I'll take off my suspenders the, just to prove it. Go ahead.
9: The bottom line, this was resolved relatively fast because the UFO crash is stopped. And it, it makes me, it's reminiscent to the fact that when we have aviation problems, the, it's examined very rapidly to determine the cause so we can stop like, uh, the offspring from falling out of the sky or something like that. And, um, so it kind of fits. And a 737 flying into this, something that was so severely energized that it would kill birds in flight, living beings, could possibly affect the avionics. or who knows? And so I don't know that. But something happened that caused this craft to go down. They had to bring equipment in from Nellis Air Force Base and from Camp Irwin. And the sheriff and undersheriff went out the following day and spent 15 minutes trying to get past military police and were refused. see, this is all really,
2: really interesting. This is the good stuff
1: here. The point is here is that let's just admit that it is speculative to think that these craft might have been brought down by radar. We can guess that. We don't know if it's true. It's a possibility. Let's just leave it as a possibility because it may be totally other causes. It might be that this craft is built by the lowest bidder on this other planet and something broke. That happens. Yeah, I like the
9: They're interstellar right, ego. So. I, I yeah. like that concept. Yeah. Something affected out of Clear Blue affected the flight capabilities of these crafts. The other one, uh, the recovery uh, ultimately took or uh, actually transpired over a five-day period uh, because there was nothing here to do it with. And they brought the scientists out on a General Motors 3303 military bus that it had been dispatched from Camp Irwin. And they picked them up at Phoenix to take them up to the, uh, the north. If you're at the mountain, it's on the northeast lower foot of the mountain where the desert meets the mountain. And uh, on the only road that existed then, And Well, the craft was off the road. It wasn't on the road, but they took the bus up the only road there was. And a report about what transpired and what was seen was given to Raymond Fowler in an interview in April, May 1973, 20 years afterwards. And um, it's very descriptive and and very accurate. And part of the problem I found is there's been a lot of nobody paying attention to some of the witness statements that were already made. But the difference is I'm where I can devote time uh, to spend literally years going up. It was 448 square miles of desert and mountain joy in here. And I got it narrowed down really fast by Colonel Stevens.
1: I understand that. Mention- Let's get on with more of this yep. in a moment. We have Harry Drew. We have okay. Ruben Yuarte with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast. <laughs> Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out asseenontv.com. And by the way, save 10%. Here's what you do. Use the code SEEN1, S-E-E-N number one, SEEN1. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save 10%. Purchase this summer's hottest as-seen-on-TV items, save 10%. Or call 1-866-277-3366, 1-866-277-3366, the code SCENE1 to save 10%.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: We have Harry Drew, who has investigated for many years UFO crashes and landings in Kingman, Arizona. And what makes this all the more interesting is that the details you're providing, Harry, are far more descriptive than anything we know about Roswell. I mean, other than the crash and some basic stuff, a lot of the other stuff is very, very highly speculative, but you're giving us all sorts of inner details about the recovery operation yeah,
2: he said it was a five day recovery process. This this is all news to me. Uh Harry, you you've uh grabbed the old bull by the horns here. There should be tons of documentation or I mean I, I know you've dug up a lot of witnesses and 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 we do have a pretty compelling story here, but um what actually do we have in terms of government documentation about this?
9: I uh-huh. have You say government? Are you saying secret documents? I don't, I would never admit to having secret documents if I had them.
1: (laughs) No, I think what Chris said was government documents. Government documents, they don't have to be necessarily secret.
9: I have, I have interviews with, um, I have interviews with people who forbid the use of their name for real reasons. And, um, I, in fact, went to someone who, doesn't want his name used, but I can give away where it is. Uh, in regard to the third one, on the 24th of May, I went to the head of security for the county court of Mojave and described an area where these two strange-looking men were taken and i'm and i'm leapfrogging ahead but he took me through this is an off-limits nobody can go there for decades and he took me through all the security checkpoints and walked me right up to the very things that i described to him let's go to the red lake crash after the what i i call the hualapai h-u-a-l-a-t-a-i mountain Kingman hualapai mountain crash On 18 May 1953, the military finally were able to get the craft loaded onto an M-25 trailer with great difficulty and get it out of here the night, over the night of the 22nd. Prior to that, the scientists came, it was still the 21st of May. And an interesting thing happened five-minute flight time away from them, the same morning of the day that the scientists and the bus came, eight UFOs were seen for over an hour by a 20-year military pilot, by a pilot who was contracted by the United States Air Force to train pilots at three airfields in the state of Arizona, and a sports editor from the newspaper in Tusket, Arizona, five-minute flight time away from the down, So it was what, like a search party? Craft. Like
2: a search party uh, was was no, in the
9: area? No, they had gone out to check where some fish had been planted for a fishing derby for youth, and they were out there just by happenstance and saw eight crafts and here's the interesting thing about that two of the crafts were hovering one on one side and one on the other side and the six other UFOs were doing what were described by both pilots as military style dogfight maneuvers 5 minutes away from where <laughs> the down craft was sitting
2: oh man Mm, the trickster uh, tips his hat again.
15: I
9: have. I not only have their names and dates. It was covered in the paper. I have everything, you know, all the way to their ob's. You know, and this is something that they saw, and it makes me wonder. I'm not allowed to tell anybody anything that I don't really know, but I am allowed a little room to speculate. And if I see six craft doing dogfight maneuvers and two sitting in what would be like guard positions, five minutes away from where the Air Force has got a craft of theirs on the ground, I would think maybe they're thinking about going after it and get it. I don't know. Yeah, and but, they were all they were
2: getting themselves all pumped up uh, to prepare themselves for the sabers that were coming after them. Ruben, you've uh, done... Quite a an extensive job researching and investigating Mexican Roswell as the title of one of your books. Um, does this type of scenario uh, ring, sound familiar to you based on on your investigations on the other other crashes?
15: Yes,
16: uh, in fact, I'm real fascinated with uh, with Harry's uh, presentation, and I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to listening to his presentation at the conference. The uh, research that both Noah Torres and I have been working on has dealt with crash retrievals in the Southwest. Uh, we have uh, one that happened uh, near Laredo, Texas, but on the Mexican side of the border that happened in 1948. Supposingly, uh, there were two jet inter- interceptors called F- F-80s who supposedly had shot down a UFO. And uh, this document came out uh, or was mentioned in, a, uh, in the actual MJ documents uh, there's a lot to that story, and then we also um, investigated another UFO crash that also occurred on the on the Mexican side of the border near Langtree Texas where in nineteen fifty five we had the testimony of a jet fighter pilot an f86 uh, fighter pilot at the time he flew uh, they were flying escort for b forty seven bombers and this object appeared over their flight formation, and he followed the object. He had permission, and he saw the object crash on the opposite side of the bo- on on the other side of the border. So we have his testimony, and uh, that's what we call that book, the Other Roswell. Uh, I need to go back to the first uh, case that I shared with you, uh, the 1948 crash. Uh, we know uh, when we did some research, we we actually wrote a book. Uh, actually, Noah had presented this at the Laredo UFO Festival and um, the, the title of that book is called Fallen Angel but, but we're starting to see a pattern here Christopher and as uh, you listening to Harry about the uh, crash retrieval teams that are sent out immediately and then the, the cover up that takes place then of course is the Mexico's Roswell that we were involved in the, uh, of, an, of, of an object that collided with a small airplane over the desert of Chihuahua, Mexico in A little little area known as Coyame. and basically that was an object collided with an airplane, and the Mexican soldiers went to uh, retrieve the airplane. They found the disc, but these guys were all the soldiers were exposed to something. They all died at the scene, and they were being watched by uh, U.S. surveillance, uh, which resulted in uh, helicopters leaving out of Fort Bliss. And went to the crash site. They retrieved the uh, the saucer, took it back to the U.S. How
2: close to the Zone of Silence is this that that confluence point between Tabasco, Chihuahua, and Sonora.
16: Yeah, actually, there's a lot there's a lot of crazy uh, anomalous areas. I mean, the Zone of Silence that's Mexico's Bermuda Triangle.
1: We'll have to go into what that means and what is going to signify in a moment. With Ruben Yarte and with Harry Drew, with Gene and Chris, you're in the Paracast.
10: Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search
1: no more. We are the GCN Radio Network.
11: If you owe the IRS back taxes, listen carefully. Sweeping changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever eliminate their tax debts once and for all. And now I can help you reduce or eliminate your tax debts and end your tax nightmare. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. I've helped thousands of people reduce and eliminate tax debts they couldn't pay. And after more than 30 years of experience dealing with the IRS, I can tell you there's no such thing as a hopeless tax case. And with the IRS's new policies, it's easier than ever to put your tax debt behind you once and for all.
4: September is National Preparedness Month, or as we like to call it, prep So, cash in on Preptember savings at BePrepared.com. Going on now, save 21% on freeze dried mozzarella cheese. Save 25% on five of Mountain House's most popular freeze dried meals. Save 30% and learn how to make bread from scratch with the Wheat Cooking Starter Kit. Save 36% on the new LRP Entree Combo. And save a whopping 46% when you buy 10 or more packages of MRE peanut butter. All at BePrepared.com. Plus, new for Preptember, freeze dried yogurt bites in five delicious flavors. And Provident Pantry Non-Fat Dry Milk is specially priced this month. As always, check out the Emergency Essentials Group Specials during the prep Timber Sale, now through September 30th. Call 800-999-1863 for exceptional customer service and BePrepared.com's low-price guarantee. That's 800-999-1863. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com.
9: I hope that you do listen to the Paracast
19: because you will learn a great deal about the paranormal.
1: Ah, the zone of silence. Some people who listen to the show would prefer that Chris and I engage in silence. And we are silent when we have people like Ruben Yarte and Harry Drew on hand to yeah, the Harry, the thing. man, you've really jazzed me on the uh, the Cayman case. I really don't know that much
2: about it. I really am looking forward to uh, speaking with you about it, and and also the same, uh, Ruben. I think it's really important work you guys are doing. Um, obviously, Harry, you have really spent spent the time in the archives. You've done your digging. You've got you've got your research down, and, and really, my hats off to you to your to your uh, your efforts. And and you too, Ruben and Noe. Oh,
16: thank you very much. Thank
2: you very much. Yeah, Reuben has left the building. <laughs>
16: I'm right here. Do you hear me now?
2: <laughs> well, um, Harry, I mean, we kind of, I'm sorry I interrupted. We we wanted to get Reuben in here. We've been dodging uh, traffic lights and dead spots, uh, trying to keep Reuben on the line. <laughs> I wanted to include him. You guys are both, like I said, doing uh, really good work, and... The Kingman crash, though, is um, a standalone event. We do have a number of eyewitnesses. We've got, you've been able to, to land some really good source sources. Wendell Stevens, you know, we could have a whole show just on Wendell. But in terms of the actual events um, that you're describing, this, this could be a, a real dark horse case, I think, in the annals of crash retrievals. Why don't you talk uh, further about the, the uh, Hualapai Mountain? Um, event and you were in the midst of describing the recovery process there. Why don't you continue?
9: All right. Thank you. I'm, I've really enjoyed listening to Ruben and, and he hit on something that I, that I had suggested before that some of these early crafters um, and, my, and my consulting engineer, who I mentioned to you before, said he didn't know if it was an experimental craft or a UFO really there when he went with me to do drone flights so I could get, like, six-camera position angles to be able to look at the ground at 10 feet, 50 feet, 100 feet, and 300 feet so I could really see what I need to see. And um, he said whatever it was, the government swept it under the rug and it's really obvious, where the craft was sitting, I don't know why, can't tell you why, but and the normal background radiation there is five times higher than, like, if you walk 50, 60 feet away from what was really sitting. And it wasn't damaged, so I don't know, maybe it's sewage from the craft. How would I know? But uh, for some reason, it wasn't damaged. They had problems the, it was sitting at an angle, and they had problems trying to get it up on the M25 trailer, which was built for tanks. And Bill Uhouse, who is deceased, um, talked about the same craft because he stated he saw the craft when it got to Groom Lake. And that's where the reverse engineering story came from, uh, and then the birth of what we would call Area 51, at least in the stories. I did not research all of that. That's any more than, than when Wendell handed off the crew. They didn't have a need to know about anything else that was allowed uh, or gone on with the crew. You just cut off from the information. So they went to load the UFO and they belted it up with a boom to swing it over onto the trailer, and it would not move. They could lift it up, but they couldn't swing it. Now this is from the late Colonel Stevens. They had to back the trailer, an M25 tank transporter trailer, underneath it, and set it down, and they were afraid that it wasn't going to move from there. This is after they overcame the problem of a tone from the craft that was causing them to have headaches and throw up. What are we talking about okay. here? Are we
2: talking about actual weight, or are we talking about some gravitational uh, field effect?
9: The craft remained at a tilt. Okay? When they set it down on the trailer, remember again, as told to me. And me, uh, I mean, I'm a historian. I have to take what I'm told. And then I have to present that in a way everyone understands as told to me. uh, Let let me make sure, Harry, I I understand. When they
2: they put that craft down on the trailer, it remained in the air at a tilt.
9: It sat like it was sitting on the ground, and it had, I did soil porosity tests there to determine why it was 20 inches in the ground. And the engineer that was on site that night, given 15 to 20 minutes only to inspect the craft, was told he was to to determine the, the rate of fall and the forward speed at the time of impact of the ground. And he came up with a number like 20 FPS. 20 feet per second later fall. Well, You can take a spoon and hold it in your hands throughout and drop, and it immediately goes to 32 feet per second per yeah, second. Yeah, that,
2: that doesn't make sense.
9: Yeah. He said that in his report. This doesn't make sense because this thing should have been ripped to pieces uh, from the forward speed, but the fall rate is below what's natural. And so it had some kind of propulsion or something, and and, a, and um, maybe a stability. Now this is all with, according to Wendell. System.
2: Do we have any documentation to establish these
9: facts? This is this is taken from the report taken by Raymond Fowler in an interview with with the specialist. He encounered. Okay, okay. Out, so this is this is Ray's yeah.
2: work. Okay, yeah. I was just uh, wondering if all right. if now, this is Wendell's he, description he, of the scene.
9: No, it's Arthur Stenzel. Okay,
2: oh, I understand. All right. I'm sorry, okay. continue.
9: Who is, yeah. And just think, you know, physicists and all of that stuff. Anyway, uh, the craft was loaded on, onto the trailer, and it didn't settle all the way down like gravity would normally make something just lay flat. So they propped it up for sure it would fall when they started to move, and they took it out of here. I know the direction it went. And uh, the Corps had, the, the engineers had a barge ready, and they put it on a barge above the dam up on the Colorado and took it from there straight up, you know, to uh, Broom Lake. If you've been up that direction, that's, it's incredibly easy to do it that way and if you've got somebody to go with a yeah, barge. Yeah, I mean, it's a straight
2: so, shot from Kingman right yeah, up to it, it, uh, Hoover Dam. Gene, have you ever yeah, heard of I'm that sure. type of gravitational effect ever in a recovery
1: operation? That, that, that's, that's really uh, amazing. That's very unusual. I think part of the thing is we don't hear of anything in so-called recovery effects more than just putting a craft on a truck or a trailer or something and taking it off. This almost sounds like the scene in the movie Independence Day where without the tethers, the craft would float at Area 51. Remember that scene?
9: Yeah. Which, uh, which, it's funny which how art hear
1: imitates life, right?
9: Huh?
1: Well, maybe the people who wrote the script for Independence Day heard about Kingman.
9: Oh, yes. Right. So, anyway. So,
2: continue.
15: Uh,
9: yeah. uh,
1: we're all ears, Harry.
2: Yep. This is great. This is good stuff. Yep. I can't wait to talk to you later yep. about it.
9: Okay. Harry, if you want to hear about the Red Lake crash, so everybody knows it's in Kingman, Arizona. Everybody seems to think it's the one over in uh, New Mexico, the, uh, the, and there probably is one in New Mexico. The, the red lake crash occurred four days later on the 22nd, and um, the other craft already was gone. And And it was handy because the recovery team, part of the recovery team was still here. And the other one came down. It had the same kind of a problem um, going from north to south. That was a flight path of both craft. Actually, all three craft. It just three. And um, it clipped the top of a butte. And uh, an aviation historian and museum curator told me about it, that it went down at Food Tank, and there was someone connected who counseled people that work at Area 51. Okay, that was his job. And... So it is kind of like on the QT, said, it was a foo tank. That's a word in Arizona for a uh, dirt dam with a reservoir behind it of water for livestock and wildlife. And he found foo tank on the map uh, and then found it on the ground. And I went with him out there, and he had found nothing. And I did the same thing with my consulting engineer. We did drone flights in the area, and I got to see it in a way people don't... They can't see, and I found the impact scar where it ripped the shade off the butte, overshot the reservoir, and crashed on the other bank. And then we'll it get was into a more of the, the
1: crash at Kingman that Harry Drew is referring to. Yeah. We have Ruben Yarte joining us with Gene and Chris. You're in the Paracast.
20: What do you do when your propane runs out and you don't have a large amount of wood for cooking? That's when you need a Grover Rocket Stove from StockStorage.com. The Grover Rocket Stove starts easily with any combustible material like junk mail, small twigs, leaves, weeds, or dry sagebrush. Then just add a small amount of kindling wood and you'll be cooking entire meals in minutes. Grover Rocket Stoves are made right here in the USA and are built to last a lifetime using heavy-duty thick-gauge steel and are painted with high-temp paint to withstand heat. Go to StockStorage.com and see three great Grover Rocket Stoves, stainless steel, heavy-duty, or our original Grover Rocket Stove for only $135 and get free shipping to the lower 48. For phone orders, call 801-361-6984 or go to StockStorage.com. That's 801-361-6984 or StockStorage.com, the original Grover Rocket Stove minimal wood-use cooking stoves, available exclusively from StockStorage.com.
17: Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terragonics.com spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, com or call toll-free 866-369-3678 That's 866-369-3678 Pro-EM-1 The Raw Probiotic Hi, this is Ted Phillips,
9: listening to the Paracast, and it's as good as it gets, believe
1: me. We have Harry Drew, who has been many years studying the crashes over at Kingman, Arizona. Ruben Yarte joining us with Gene and Chris here in the Paracast, and we were immersed in a very lengthy conversation with Harry. Please
2: continue. Yeah,
9: it's
1: fascinating stuff.
9: Oh, okay. I can't talk because I'm hearing multiple things going on. Anyway, um, the Red Lake crash, 19 miles north of Kenan, Arizona, uh, Red Lake is right there. It was right on the uh, southwesterly end of what is called Red Lake. And it overshot a reservoir uh, in Arizona called Tank. And two of the crew survived the crash. Two, Well, four of the crew survived. Truly severely injured, taken analysis in and died, or at least hold on, here, 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 here.
2: hold on before you go any further. How do we know this?
9: Oh, um, well, how do I know this? Uh, first off, it comes from um, long since deceased um, rancher Leonard Neal who was approached by a convoy of military vehicles who offered to ride them assistance because he, along with most of the family, watched his thing go down. And uh first thing that happened is the military barked at him to just stay where he is, go in the house and not come out um, because the military was aware. And Wendell um, Stevens, once again, was aware of this, and Bill U. House, was aware of this, and he talks about it in an interview that I have, where it crashed along uh, in, the, in alignment with what is called the Surbat Mountains, which is exactly where it is. And um, from the family, and I had this information as late as, now remember, that I am not, people that I mention. agencies are not endorsing my work. They never do that, especially if they government. But I had in July, as late as this July, BLM confirmed the fact that not only does the family, which is very large because it was like... Um, a cattle baron back from the eight, 1882, and took over the basically took over the area and uh, mostly friendly, and um, everybody's a cousin, and uh, so it's in-house secret um, basically, and the uh, man I was speaking with. Uh, at BLM is one of them, and uh, and the aviation historian is another, and and then of course he did because he's a historian and a curator, uh, he did interviews with with his own relatives about the same thing and they're going oh yeah this is this way, it's so common knowledge with the elderly, really older people here, I was stunned. I was doing a stand up film thing down by the. 1910 courthouse on a Sunday to have some quiet and a gentleman with two grandchildren come out of a church next to the building and came over and asked what I was doing and he said oh yeah and he just starts he was telling me things I hadn't even heard yet you know it was amazing and uh, so it's like they aren't going to talk and that's explained and both the first thing that I'm releasing, um, hidden in plain sight The came UFO Crashes, which is a pre is a it's a pre release ahead of terminal approach The came UFO Crashers, which right now is being considered for some other things beyond just my doing a documentary D V D on it. So and uh but so I have well, i don 't know uh, fifteen witnesses along with Bill Uhouse, along with uh, the late Colonel Wendell Stevens, and uh, I feel that there 's enough information based on that and in fact, after inspecting and I feel like-
1: Harry, I know that this is going to get confusing, but there 's so much minutia here that we have to kind of step back and look at this okay once again. We have the original incident you told us about which was basically a landing but not a crash, but it seemed that the craft was unable to take off again. And then we have a crash you're telling us about now. How many total incidents are we dealing with in Kingman? No, oh, he, he got back. He
2: he was beyond the second yeah. one. He was talking about the third it was, one.
1: It's not my fault.
9: I went looking to see if there had ever been a Kingman crash, because the stories are there was and the stories are there aren't. You know, or never was. And so what happened was, and if you listen to the story, even from the witnesses and the information that I'll present, is that there were two crashes that were known, and and over the years that went by, they were blended into one crash. And the def- the description of the location and stuff was blended and and then finally in the last fifteen to twenty years the exaggerators have eliminated the craft altogether and there was nothing. And um, but there were two crashes, one on the eighteenth well I'm sorry, there was a landing with flying saucer, that's what they call it, okay? And so it isn't unidentified. And a flying saucer elongated thirty feet in length, approximately eighteen feet in diameter, fourteen feet, and the center cupola of the craft, as far as height versus width, and uh, which I have drawings of from from the scientist that was there. And um, the other craft went down four days later on the twenty second or five days later, actually four days later, and then, and then, if that isn't enough problems for people living in a uh, 3,500-member population town of Kingman, Arizona, in 1953, a third one comes along, and it's like the 24th of May, and it slams right smack into the North Face, coming coming from the, the North, going South, hit the North Face of the Wallapai mountain and instantaneously set it on fire. And which the response is, they've got to put the fire out. And at the scene of the fire, two men inappropriately dressed for the area and um, strange looking by description by the even the local newspaper were apprehended. And they were escorted by a forest service worker to the sheriff's office in the 1910 Mojave County courthouse basement, which is below grade, meaning there are no doors or windows to the outside. It is a cast in place concrete and steel reinforced structure that still stands it has a ceiling which would be a floor on the next floor above of about 14 inches thick concrete all side walls no way out and it was a sheriff's office with four deputies and three and there were locked doors two doors to get in and out of the the main area these two people two strange looking men were put in an a, was later called an interrogation room. They called it a detention room at the time. Locked in because the sheriff wasn't there. This is, this is like Mayberry, and, and he's down at the string fishing or whatever. I'm just teasing. We had a big so job. So what it's happened?
2: Cut to the chase, brother. Cut to the chase. What happened?
9: Yeah, what happened? They got, to, they got the sheriff. The two guys who are locked in the... The two string-looking men are locked in the room. The forest service worker sits on an oak bench outside the door, which is there at this moment. I have photos of that. And the sheriff came up. He was brief on what happened, told him to open the door. They stepped in. Nobody was in that room. They would have had to have
2: there they we go. The trickster.
9: Yeah. Of course. Yeah. That document is from the museum here. And... Uh, and made front page as far as um, the strange-looking men brought down and, and the whole thing. The interesting thing to me, because I won't show this story yet because it'll be with terminal approach, is this happened another time and there was a different kind of response, but this time the sheriff did nothing. He didn't have them seal the building, uh, close off the roads. there weren't many, uh, to Kingman and issue an APB nothing. It was like, let's all go have dinner. And two guys, two, they're identified, they're in the the, uh, UFO file at the museum. And they just vanished off the face of the earth. I can't tell you how.
1: Vanished off the face of the earth. They just disappeared. They beamed up. They said, Scotty, beam uh, me up.
9: Yeah, they got past a guy sitting at the door. They got past four deputies, went out three locked doors.
2: Yeah, I you love Scotty's there right on, you know, right at the end of the episode. Boom, Scotty, get us out of here. Boom.
9: Yeah, or, you know, there you go. I can't do that. A person might speculate that they were, they were sending a message out to the people, you know, like the four service worker and the deputy. We aren't the drug you want. Or something, you know, right out of like what you see in a science fiction with Star Wars. Right. And, and, uh, we uh, teleported. Right. I don't
1: know. I'll tell you what, I know this that we're talking to Harry Drew and Ruben Yorte with Gene and Chris until we beam up. And I know some of our critics have said that we should have beamed up a long, long time ago. You're in the pericast. <laughs>
7: That's 870 784 3121. Renovation Tease. Renovate your health one bag at a time.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now,
1: here's Jane Steinberg. Meet me up, Scotty. No, I actually have some sound effects of the transporter, but we won't use them because they're probably copyrighted. Harry Drew and Ruben Yarte with Gene and Chris on the PowerCast focusing very heavily on a series of UFO-related events in Kingman, Arizona.
2: Let's find out from Ruben what uh, you're going to be presenting at UFOCon uh, this coming weekend in San Francisco down at the Santa Clara Marriott. Ruben, what are you going to be talking about?
16: I'm actually the the first speaker that kicked off the event, the entire conference, so they gave me the honor of doing that. <laughs> but uh, it, it's only for a 30-minute presentation. I'll be sharing the podium with uh, with my former Assistant State Director, uh, Lester Velez, who will be uh, talking about OPUS, which is uh, Organization Paranormal Understanding and Support, an organization to assist abductees or people who have had paranormal experiences. We have a uh, uh, I sit on their board, and we have a referral network where we have uh, psychiatrists or hypnotherapists who work with these people. Now, my presentation, uh, it's a little bit uh, of everything that I've it, why I got involved in, in this whole phenomenon. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the research that both my co-author and Noe and I have done in the Southwest on the three crash-retrieval cases. While we'll be talking a bit about the uh, aliens in the forest, The uh, that was the uh, last time you had us on about the gentleman at uh, the bow and arrow uh,
2: Which generated an incredible amount of uh, activity on that particular show thread at uh, forum.theparacast.com. It was one of the most popular threads uh, for months, Ruben. I, I know you tuned in and chimed in once or twice, but... Uh, a fascinating yeah, case. So, what what other things you're going to be covering?
16: Uh, from there, I'll be going, talking about as well as uh, MUFON in general. But I, I have some statistics I wanted to share with you. Actually, you're the first. You're the first uh, radio show I'm going to share this because I think what people need to know is what's happening in our skies. And because I I am the Northern California State Director, and I'm also involved as the Deputy Director of, of Investigation, so I, I report directly to our Director of Investigations, who I, I, I oversee the international scene. I work closely with other countries. But I, but in terms of categories and, and statistics, we have a database uh, that, Gene and, and Chris, that uh, we started in year 2000. And up to now, uh, we, we've had over 38,000 uh, cases that, that have been reported to us, sightings. Just a variety of of, of uh, from objects. we have twenty three categories or shapes of objects that people report ranging from star-like, circles, sphere, triangles, discs, fireballs, cigars, egg shaped boomerangs, and that. One thing uh, that Harry was talking about uh, is the the whole thing about the uh, objects that are uh, landing, uh, hovering, let me, let me find it right here, landings, hoverings, and takeoffs. And I want to give you, I have a, I have a breakdown of statistics here. Back in, I only focus on four years. From the year 2000, we had, in the year 2009, we had over 337 uh, reports of, of landings, hoverings, and takeoffs. The following year, we had 279, so it dropped down. Uh, I dropped down slightly to 258 in the year 2011. Right now, although it's 2012, I only have eight months of, uh, of reports. That we have 137. but So here we have 337 uh, in 2009 of reports of landing, covering and takeoffs, and then it uh, dwindles down to 137. The reason why I bring that up is that I'm, I'm really more fascinated with the reported uh, uh, entities, reports on entities that might be tied in with the actual landings or possibly with abductions. I mean, let me give you a snapshot of what happened here. We had over 391 reports of, uh, of entities back in 2009. It dropped down to 141 in 2010 and it really dropped down to 69. So from three, 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 391 reports 69. Now it's gone up to 149. Uh, 149 reports in 2012. You, I, I know people get bored with statistics, uh, but when you're able to, to uh, analyze what what the heck is happening in our skies by by, type, by shapes of objects, um, you know I could tell you like how, you know I have the same breakdown for for flying saucers, oval shapes, boomerangs. So guess, well, guess what's the biggest, most reported. Uh, statistic wise what what shape what object is being reported out there uh chris Jeannie?
2: uh either an orb or a triangle
16: actually um yeah I have the breakdown of triangles and um and i 'll give you that first and then um for for, for triangles i have it, i have it broken down in three categories um i have a broken down by triangles. And then, of course, there's the chevron for the V-shaped objects, and then there's the boomerangs. But for uh, for for triangles, for triangles, and this, we're talking about the Belgium-type triangles uh, uh, there.
2: We Man, I, a, it, combine it, them all together: boomerang, triangle. It's it, at night. It's really hard well, to God. determine shape. So we're yeah. talking about arrays of lights, basically, which which yeah. to me is is not very accurate, but just kind of lump them all together for us.
16: Well, if I was to add that up, we're, we're looking um, just in two thousand nine. I'm I'm looking at about over close to a thousand cases of triangles, boomerangs, and shape objects. But um, and then when it comes to spheres, and these are the orbs, then um, I'm looking at this is a big one. Uh, I know, I'm going to give you number a, on the uh, triangles. Two,
2: I miss that. Coming? the numbers on the on the triangle or chevron or boomerang shapes. What was the composite number?
16: Oh, I'm giving just uh, just an estimate because I have to I have to total them up. Uh, but but it's close to a thousand uh, reports. from okay. 2000, 2012 so far.
2: Okay. But how about also, how about spheres or orbs?
16: Spheres are the biggest one, and so far in eight months eight months of data. I'm talking from so January to September, where I have over a thousand six hundred and fifty-five reports. I still have four months of data to wait for. That's going to be the biggest category. Yeah. But but what?
2: I know, assumed you know, as we'll, much.
16: <laughs> yeah. Uh, why? Uh, I mean, it's an interesting. We need to take, take a good look at.
2: No, that's it's pretty almost, easy to figure I, out. Why we're dealing with plasma effects that tend to shield the shape of an object behind it oftentimes appearing to be an orb or oval-shaped light, a glowing light that that tends to morph a little bit, and you can't really make out outlines.
16: Some people have uh, where we've had witnesses describe the geodesic patterns of lights inside within the orb. that's, That's how, if they get there close enough to give a description of it. Right. But the other thing is that, uh, in, our, in your earlier conversation about, uh, airlines and, and that, uh, so many of these orbs do follow or have a tendency of following, uh, passenger planes. And we've got, we have, we have had reports from, from airline pilots via from our NARCAP, which is the National Aviation Reporting Center for Anomalous Phenomena. The question is, uh, the big concern is the technology that these things have. Um, can interfere with the, with the flight systems of these aircraft to the point that it could be a safety issue. That's been the biggest concern. You're dealing with a technology that's that's beyond what we have, and if, obviously it can affect our, our flight systems or aircraft or even uh, be able to knock out uh, our, our our electrical grid system perhaps. Or even uh, even stopping cars. I mean, we had so many cases
15: in the
2: past. Where- right. We don't know that we haven't established a direct connection yet, scientifically. But to err on the side of safety and and better judgment, obviously, this would be a, a safety concern uh, to the FAA and and to other government officials. Obviously.
1: Obviously, we have well, to break think- right now. We have Ruben Yorte, Harry Drew with Jean and Chris. You're in the Pericast. Hey, neighbors, you've seen all those crazy, wacky products on TV. The perfect tortilla, easy covers, hot booties, furniture fix, petty spin, and more. Where do you find all that stuff? You go to asseenontv.com because this is the one-stop source for all of these TV goods advertised. Find all your favorites as seen on TV. Check them out asseenontv.com. And by the way, save ten percent. Here's what you do: use the code SCENE1, seen one s e e n number one seen one. Go to asseenontv.com to order. Save ten percent. Purchase this summer's hottest, as seen on TV, items. Save ten percent. Or call 1-866-277-3366, 1-866-277-3366 The code scene one to save ten percent.
7: That's 870-784-3121.
17: Renovation Tees. Renovate your health one bag at a time. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free. Contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients. Contains no preservatives or animal products. Supports a healthy digestive and immune system. Supports weight loss. Improves absorption of food nutrients. Aids in controlling yeast infections. Is never freeze-dried. And uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free, 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our
1: famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com. With Gene and Chris here in the Paracast, we have Harry Drew and Ruben Yarte. When we broke, Chris was talking with Ruben about different reports and different theories, and let's continue with that.
2: So, Ruben, so we have, what, a 1,000, let's say, roughly uh, triangle, chevron, uh, boomerang-shaped objects versus 1,600 spheres. Yeah. So, so spheres is number one, triangles would be number two. What would be number three?
16: Flying saucers There's a big one.
2: So conventional structured flying disc type, you know, flying convex disc. disc type reports.
16: There's another category called oval shape, which I, I, I would think I would combine that with a flying saucer.
2: It could be a sphere, too, uh, looked on, you know, from an oblique angle or something. It, yeah, it's just, rough. Uh, you, you have to break it down into daylight and nighttime, obviously, to get a real accurate sampling of of what you're looking at here. Uh, You're going to be addressing uh, this, you know, uh, kind of rudimentary uh, pattern recognition, you know, sort of looking at patterns of of these sighting reports. And you're going to be talking about uh, some of your work with NOE, obviously. Who else are you looking forward to, you know, sitting in on their lecture besides our present company here, Harry and myself? I'd I'd be honored uh, if you Watch me. Who who else besides Richard Doland and Michael Schrat, myself, and Harry, are you interested in watching uh, at the conference?
16: You know, uh, well, you, you said it right there. I mean, there are some other interesting uh, speakers, but uh, it, and I'm, I'm hoping, you, you know how it is when you're in a conference, you do a lot of networking, and, and I'll be doing a lot of other work, but I really would like to listen to Richard and Harry yourself. Possibly Daryl. I know Daryl. Alfred Weber, I, I haven't met him, but he'll be talking on exopolitics. So it's kind of uh, interesting that we, uh, this conference, we have what I call more nuts-and-bolts uh, researchers, and then you have the others that go into the esoteric or or enter their own theories that are way out there. So
2: They've um, cast a broad net with speakers this year uh, for their inaugural year. Um, Victoria Jacks is probably scratching her head going, I wonder which of uh, the speakers is going to stick.
16: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, people like entertainment. So they'll, they'll, and there's a, there'll be some very popular speakers that focus on conspiracy more, more related. And actually, I like to listen to her, Laura Eisenhower.
2: I can't wait to see uh, Andrew Bassagio. I mean, the guy's got credentials <laughs> coming out the wazoo. His story is beyond uh, believable. And, and I'll tell and you what—we've invited him to come on the Paracast. What's the status of that, Chris? You know, I never followed up on that. He emailed me about a month or so ago and said, "Hey, I'm ready. Thanks for reminding me."
15: you, you
16: know, you'll probably get a chance to talk to him there. We're going to be we're gonna, on Friday. We're having to, to meet the speakers. So
2: hopefully, we'll get right. Well, care. it's uh, speakers be meeting. Great speakers you. too. I'm looking forward to it.
16: Yeah. Uh, you know i, I want to go back to uh, the harry's uh uh presentation here cuz you know the 50s was really a very interesting decade um, where you had the uh back in 52 53 uh the the pentagon ordering uh the air force and navy to shoot down ufo's at that time and then you had all these other other incidents and then of course hollywood was also coming out with some very interesting movies, some great classics. And the, my favorite uh, dealt with is, is The Thing. Remember that one? The, 1951, the Thing from uh, Another World. Yeah, I, I. that's my favorite. That's my favorite. But it deals with, you know, it's three years after Roswell, and it deals with the whole thing of, of disclosure and cover-up and, you know, and, and a crash retrieval out of the... Uh, out of the ice there in the Arctic, I, it, it's very, very convenient. I mean, it fits in with what's going on today. Of course, uh, you also had, you know, we're talking about what, what, what is it that could have, why we have these so many flying saucers or so many disks crashing and coming up with the various theories? And I was thinking of that movie in 1954, Earth versus the Flying Saucers, where, the scientists trying to figure out the way to knock out these flying saucers. They were using up. some
1: kind of high-frequency sound exactly. to bring it down. Did now, that, that was the film... By the way, very interesting thing about Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. A little bit of history here.
15: Cool.
1: What happened here is the studio that produced that movie, and the special effects were by the great Ray Harryhausen, who did a lot of stop-motion animation. They bought one of Major Kehoe's books, and they used it as a raw... Outline for a very traditional Aliens on the Loose kind of science fiction film. But it's interesting that Kehoe obviously was very, very upset with the finished product for reasons that were obvious when you see it. As it goes, of the films of the year, of the 1950s, Earth vs. the Flying Saucers was one of the better ones. But you have to think of Kehoe's reaction because they bought his book and wove this science fiction movie about it. And that, my friend, is the rest of the story. Uh, very good. Thank you.
16: <laughs> and, of course, uh, there were other great movies, too. But uh, you see what was so much that was being focused on. It's one of those fascinating decades uh, that I'm, I'm always interested in listening about crash retrievals and interviewing witnesses that that uh, lived during that time, like uh, our, our, our witness and the other Roswell, where he was a fighter pilot um and he was flying his F-86 and came across that that object flying over his flight formation. Unfortunately, we have uh he was still alive and we were able to spend hours with him uh, over his over his uh, testimony.
1: You know, I have a kind of a rough question here that is interesting and that is with these particular episodes, we know with Roswell, we had several official explanations from the Air Force or the US government about it. We had no response with regard to Aztec Did the government have any official comments to make about any of the episodes of Kingman? This could be either you, Ruben, or you, Harry, to answer. Um,
9: Officially, yeah, nothing from officially, if you're asking me.
1: Okay, so there's no response. As far as they're concerned, it never happened.
9: I can tell you one thing if you... uh, Give me just a second. Arthur Stansel, who was the specialist uh, who was on Upstart novel nuclear bomb tests, which, by the way, did not happen on the dates. There were two bomb blasts. It didn't happen on the dates that the the, the craft went down. Uh, So that kind of takes away EMP effect stories. But one of the things that he mentioned was he actually thought, because they told everybody on the bus, that they were being taken to examine a highly secret experimental Air Force craft. They just kind of took that as the gospel and three weeks later after he had long since returned back to where he worked he went to a drive-in theater and here was the colonel who had them take this oath raise the right hand and take the secrecy oath on the bus before they left and uh, this colonel was involved with operation blue book and then he said i realized that wasn't a super secret experimental air force plane it was in fact a saucer a ufo and but they took things literally in 1953 in a way that
1: we don't do now this break we have to yeah. take literally we have yeah. harry drew and ruben yorte you're on with gene and chris you're in the Paracast.
21: Did you know that 50% of heart attacks are brought on by infections? Did you know that hospitals are breeding grounds for antibiotic-resistant bugs like MRSA? The environment is infected with parasites, and the mild winter means ticks with Lyme disease, mosquitoes with West Nile virus, and cold and flu viruses will be on the rise. Protect yourself with nature's natural antiparasitic, antiviral, antifungal, antibiotic, allicin, the heart of garlic. Get concentrated protection with Ali C. and Ali Van from AffinityHealthProducts.com. One capsule of Ali C equals 40 cloves of garlic or 100 garlic pills. With no garlic breath, AliBan has Allison in spray, liquid, and cream forms with three times more strength in leading brands and cost less. Go to affinityhealthproducts.com, spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y, healthproducts.com or call 877-888-7126. That's 877-888-7126. Protect yourself with Ali C or AliBan from affinityhealthproducts.com.
19: The worst drought in 50 years continues, and the first six months of 2012 marks the hottest half year on record. 78% of the Midwest corn belt is in drought conditions. Not only corn, but soy, alfalfa, fruits, vegetables, and wheat are all impacted, raising prices. The cost to feed livestock is forcing farmers and ranchers out of business, blowing up your food prices. The only strategy to counter this is to freeze your food cost at today's prices by getting your own supply of foods from eFoods Direct Now. As the price of raw ingredients increases, eFoods will have to raise prices too. Now is the time to get your supply. I recently increased my supply from eFoods Direct because we have all known this was coming. You know about their delicious long-term storable foods. The fact is you can eat at any time to save money today. And because it stores for 25 years, you're locking in today's prices and avoiding the rising food cost. Don't wait. Call 800-409-5633 or go to eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. Call 800-409-5633 or eFoodsDirect.com forward slash Alex. You can bet your life on eFoods Direct.
4: America, land of the free. But how free can you be, really, when Internet viruses and malware can attack your computer? Sure, you have antivirus protection, but it's not free, is it? Until now. Now, Zone Alarm offers free antivirus protection. And independent studies show that Zone Alarm provides better malware protection than even Norton and McAfee. And they're not free, are they? Declare your freedom and go to GetBetterForFree.com. That's GetBetterForFree.com.
6: Hello, this is Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal
16: radio.
1: I think, ladies and gentlemen, you have to realize when Chris starts talking like that, he is wearing his trickster hat. I can see it now. I can see through the microphone. Because, you know, he's using a microphone that we provided to him and therefore i can see through that microphone there's a tiny webcam there so i see what he's doing i know what he's doing and he's wearing his trickster hat right chris oh yeah now,
2: it's going to be on and screwed down tight next weekend at ufo con in santa clara at the marriott if you're in the area i do invite you to attend i think i'm going to be speaking what at two or something 230 on sunday <laughs> It's yeah, going to be fun. I can't wait to meet meet you, Harry. And, and of course, we're moving to uh, catch up and got a couple of things to bounce off you that I've been working on. But this has been a great show. I, I think crash retrievals, you know, this is one of the more compelling sort of where the rubber meets the road, literally, you know, subject areas of the field. And I, I really appreciate, again, the amount of work and effort, research, investigation you guys have put in on these cases, really Uh, My hat goes off to you. And I, I, I think this has really been an informative show. I think people are getting a really good education. You know, I look forward to having you guys back on.
9: Thank you very much. I appreciate being on the show, and I look forward to seeing as many people as can get over to the Bay Area UFO Con. I'll
1: tell you what, in the remaining moments, we have two segments roughly of the show left. Let's explore further details about Kingman. So now... All this happened in 1953. Were there any other incidents in Kingman after that date? This is 59 years ago. After that date that are significant.
2: None that I found. Well, wait a minute. We have that weird event that happened, what, in 2009, just up the road in Needles, where... Some sort of object went down, and oh, apparently a yeah, uh, right helicopter. That, but
9: that's not Kingman, yeah.
2: Right, but it's just up the road a piece. I mean, you know, out here in the southwest,
1: I mean, that's next door. <laughs> How many miles we're talking okay. about, Chris? Yeah, I don't know, about seventy, maybe sixty. Okay, so you see, if you're in a larger city, sixty or seventy miles is a big deal. Because we yeah, rush hour air, traffic, right? it takes you three days to get across town. When, but
2: I, when I lived in the San Luis Valley, it was 60 miles to the nearest stoplight and about
1: 65 <laughs> miles to the nearest hospital. So. I know, of course, when you're going to, say, Las Vegas and traveling on Route 93, and you have to wait for, as they say, a parlor room break. <laughs> right. Is that what Barbara calls it? Actually, she uses another term, but I can't say it on the radio. <laughs> no she's a sweet girl she doesn't do that but seriously okay so we understand that as the crow flies it's what a 50 minute drive because you don't drive at 50 or 60 miles an hour out there in the country you drive at more appropriate speeds
2: well it's in the same neighborhood in terms of geography uh out here you know living in arizona and having driven 93 many times um did a really cool ghost haunting investigation right in downtown Kingman a couple of years back which uh, still baffles me Um, we came up with some really incredible stuff there I mean this whole area down here is a hotbed of activity and I'm not surprised um, that if you draw a triangle uh, from Prescott to Kingman over to Flagstaff and then down to Prescott a lot of interesting stuff has gone on here and, of course, it is the most sacred spot to the Hopi Indians. Of course, the San Francisco peaks sort of dominate this particular part of the region. And, of course, this is where the Kachinas, the sky people, come and go, according to the indigenous tradition here. So it's, it's not, I think, by accident that we're seeing a dogged investigation uh, like Harry's doing and, and Ruben and others kind of exposing certain hotspot areas around the continent that deserve the kind of scrutiny you guys are applying to it. And, you know, again, my hat's off to you and looking forward to to meeting you. So other than the recent Needles event, Harry, have you heard of any other events? What about that strange story that Linda Howe came up with um, at the Crash Retrieval Conference? I think it was the first or second one about a, a crash right on the Nevada-Utah oh, yeah. border um, that Ron Regehr... I think, pretty much refuted. Um, Do you have any information about that particular BLM facility up there on the border? Are you Uh, familiar with that case?
9: What year are you speaking about? Well,
2: there's no year attached to it. It's just a giant triangular form that's been covered up right on the border. Um, It's a BLM monitoring project, a long-term project monitoring the effectiveness of desert environment for for bovine grazing um, is what it turns out to be.
9: But are you familiar with the claim
2: see- that, that that's a crash saucer and it was so big they couldn't take it out, so they covered it up?
9: Well, that's entirely possible. One of the, one of the things I can tell you from um, being a, uh, a museum director and uh, curator of uh, archaeology and anthropology, one of the things that if we can't if we can't excavate or clear the site, we pave it or make it a parking lot or something else. Yeah. And it's sitting right in sight, the, you
2: know. Like Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. He's, he's in the, the visitor's end zone in concrete at Giant Stadium.
1: Yeah. So can we assume yeah. here that maybe there's a UFO that's buried beneath the concrete as we drive in and around that area? Maybe we are coming in close proximity to one of these things? <laughs>
9: I, can't say. I mean, you I mean, guys I mean, raised
1: the point. Yeah. That, that was kind of a weird... Well, you were talking
9: about ghosts, and I'm going to add uh, someone who is an expert on ghosts to tours that I do here. And Top Secret Tours will be back here, and I'll lead a group on the 19th of October back out to a site. They've actually been there. And uh, it's the kind of thing where when I show them what I'm going to show them, and then they actually see it uh, you can hear them gasp for air because it's so startlingly real because the clue that i got that led me to the the main site was something nobody knew about any including me until i got it and it was the road map it was the key that unlocked that lock to the last thing i needed to know to actually find the place that would lead me right straight to where the site was. And with that, um, with what I'm going to do other than directly with top secret tours, but through out ventures, is I'll do some tours here. And I have a, a good friend who's an expert on the ghosts and they do a bump in the night here in Kingman. And he can start off the tour and take people to these places. And so that's an opportunity for anyone that's listening if you ever wondered we've already had a couple of the ghost hunters that were um, were over here looking at stuff without me
2: the Brunswick hotel um i am and this comes from my own personal experience and and being involved in an investigation there's something weird about that place and and we did get get some evidence that um is quite compelling. We should probably do a a whole show just on on the the variety of of unusual phenomena that have been reported in and around you know right in and around uh kingman but uh you. so you're involved in in now uh, promoting tours and and helping uh guide people to sites and that sort of thing
9: well it's a controlled thing because it needs to be safe some of these areas and i need to stress this i have done this for a long time and but you should not go or try to go to these places by yourself You should not go with anything less than a four-by-four four-wheel drive and and another person with one in case you're broken down, you're out of of cell phone range, you are in extremely remote places, and there are dangerous things that live here. Uh, Eleven of the 15 state Mm -hmm. poisonous creatures are here, including the Mojave Green, and it wasn't until a couple of months ago that I saw my first Mojave Green after to be in office it wasn't green. And I thought about the butte that I climbed three times to look at the scar from the Red Lake vehicle.
15: You know what? I uh, listened
9: to
1: this, it. and maybe I don't want to yeah. go on this trip. I'll have to see. But yeah.
9: despite no, no, that, no, no, we
15: have Harry not- Drew.
1: Not- Come on.
15: We're I talking about do a break, getting out the field, do man. A- Doing,
1: I- Rolling your sleeves up. I do a break. Hey, I'm late for the break. Harry Drew with Ruben Yarte. With Gene and Chris, and Gene does not wish to leave his palatial estate. Actually, it's a shack in downtown Scottsdale, Arizona. Gene and Chris, you're in. A pair of guests. preparedness
22: simple. Do you need stuff for disasters? Of course you do. For over 15 years DisasterStuff.com has well, stuff for disasters See? Easy to remember DisasterStuff.com Want free shipping on a new Berkey water filter? DisasterStuff.com is the official Berkey in-stock shipping center. Lots of folks want an EMP Faraday bag to protect sensitive electronics during a solar or nuclear event. Now for a limited time all survival gear purchases over. $75 include a free 8x8 inch EMP Faraday bag. Just enter promo code EMPBAG when you check out at DisasterStuff.com. We're also a country living grain mill authorized dealer. Plus, we offer freeze-dried foods by Alpine Air and Wise Foods. We also carry emergency kits, survival seeds, and much more. Preparedness should be simple, and it is. Just remember, DisasterStuff.com. Freedom through self-reliance and personal responsibility.
3: Every day, nearly 3,000 families enter into foreclosure and face losing their home. If you're currently behind on your mortgage, you can still avoid foreclosure. You can save your home. But you need to act now. We're Allied State Foreclosure Services. We're experts in saving homes from foreclosure. With just one phone call to us, you can stop the foreclosure process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, and save your home. Call now. The call is free with no obligation. 1-800-597-8843. Call us if you've been threatened with foreclosure. Denied loan modification, or missed a payment on your mortgage. If you've been a victim of a predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage, even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843.
17: My name is Richard Dolan. You're listening to the Paracast.
1: This is Garage Radio. And the reason we call it Garage Radio is I do it from my garage. No, I do not. I'm just <laughs> telling stories. Chris I set you up on that one, dude. Oh, you sure did. Harry Drew joins us with Ruben Yarte. Now, this area covering Arizona with Kingman and Sedona, all that. Would we, Chris, consider this what is called a window area because it is sensitive to odd events?
2: Absolutely. The San Francisco peaks are like one of the most crucial ground zero geographic locations in the entire southwest uh, of the United States. And there are areas like this everywhere. Everywhere you go around the planet, you're going to find places where you have a concentration of a variety and intensity of unusual phenomena that seem to be centered around a location-specific area, and I think Kingman fits right into this like really cool little triangle we have here uh, in eastern Arizona. And I think Harry would would agree, Ruben would agree. He's been involved in working on a, a pretty interesting little triangular situation over, you know, what do they call it, the Sierra Triangle, uh, Ruben? That comes yeah, that yes, goes. Uh, Yeah, it goes from Nevada over into uh, California where Steve Fossett went down.
16: Uh, Oh, um, yeah, that's on that other. But when you were talking about the uh, the geography, I I was thinking of uh, the Big Bend area of of West Texas, the uh, Marfa Lights. Well, that's true. That's where
2: you're going to be having a conference, uh, down in uh, Presidio, correct? Why don't you tell us about that? I, I love the yep, photograph, by the way, of, of you guys. Uh, your faces replacing uh, you and Stanton Friedman and Noy, and your faces are in place of Pancho Pancho Villa.
16: And <laughs> yeah, great shot! Oh God, I know we're gonna. Who knows how that I got come that. Out, you know? but, uh, well, tell us about the conference. We're having, yeah, we're having the the uh, Borders International UFO Conference. It's going to be held at Presidio, Texas, on October nineteenth. And twentieth, and what it's about, it's uh, it, the city of Presidio is actually honoring the, our book, Mexico Roswell, because in our in in our research, uh, the crash UFO occurred about thirty miles south of Presidio, Texas. Well, the uh, the the director of, of uh, the Department of Tourism really liked the idea and and decided let's have a UFO festival centered on this whole case, and at the same time, invite prominent people, other, other researchers. Uh, we'll have a, a lot of advances to promote tourism. So this is going to become like another Roswell event, and uh, we're really looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be really uh, an, an interesting uh, – at the same time, the reason why we say international, the right across the border, the city of Ohinaga, which is our, the border city to Presidio, our our friends, our Mexican investigators, are also going to be putting on the UFO conference. So we're we're seeing UFO conferences on both sides of the border.
1: So are we seeing awesome. Ruben and you get involved in a lot of conferences and stuff? Are we seeing more interest these days in UFOs than previously?
16: Well, I think so. I mean, and what what I what I think it what's happening is that. For example, uh, I mentioned Laredo, Texas. Uh, Laredo is uh, organizing a UFO <laughs> festival, and that's being put on by their Heritage Society. So, and here you have the Chamber of Commerce uh, uh, from Presidio doing this. So, I, I think you know, over the years, you know, with uh, over the various uh, programs that have been on about the, the phenomenon, and now you're seeing mainstream groups taking over and I'm just jazzed about it. I mean, it's not a UFO court organizer or promoter. These are people that are from mainstream groups that say, Hey, you know, something unusual happened here in our area. Let's focus on, 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 that. And, you know, perhaps it'll bring tourism, but it'll also bring attention to the phenomenon.
1: But do you wonder also in a case like that, whether the real concern is to learn more about the phenomenon or to bring in the tourists and <laughs> Filling up the hotels and the concession stands. Uh, yeah,
16: it's, 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 a, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're interested well, in... Well, Gene, the there's a trade-off. Marketing. Yeah, it's, it's a trade-off, it's like, sure. It's yeah, everybody
2: wants to be Roswell. As that, you know, kind of made their stab at it. It, it. I think it's 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 a good thing because people get jazzed, they get uh, intrigued. And then if they're motivated, they actually do their research, find out the facts, and then,
1: you know, draw informed conclusions. Well, certainly if other areas other than Roswell that have compelling case histories are given attention, I think we all be grateful because I feel that we're so overwhelmed with Roswell as still the benchmark case, and it shouldn't be. So exploring other cases, exploring the Mexican Roswell or exploring the cases at Kingman, this would divert our attention from Roswell, and that's wonderful. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well i I agree i don't know
2: about uh maybe we should have a Kingman ufo uh, conference
1: that would be interesting because Kingman has so many things you know it's interesting on the way to las vegas this most interesting most recent trip we stopped at one of these mini marts to get some coffee and all that stuff and i saw this little area where they had these area 51 postcards so they've got the ufo legend down pat over there Of course, I then showed him the license plate on my car, which Chris knows what that says. (laughs) He's,
16: oh, no, you're one of them. What does your license plate say?
1: Mr. MIB, I I think, right? It's the MIB, and it comes from the lines of the Will Smith song, we are the MIB, the galaxy protectors, the MIB. (laughs)
16: <laughs> I, yeah, my
1: license plate says Ichi Amigo See, si, senora See, <laughs> si? We're starting a trend here yeah. You know, the motor vehicle bureaus In Arizona, New Mexico, and Nevada Should be pushing This UFO connection
16: uh, I'm sure
1: they will <laughs> We have to see how that goes Just a quick look at the future Before we let you go, Harry For Kingman, what can we do today to try to validate more of the details of this case? We're talking about something that happened 59 years ago, and obviously a lot of the key people are no longer here. What can we do today to go over the loose ends and see what's going on? Good to me? Yep.
9: Yes. You're Mr. Um, Kingman. Well, get to Arizona. (laughs) You know, I can't wait to talk to Ruben uh, about the Triangle or Boomerang uh, shapecraft. I don't don't know the difference um, uh, as far as configuration exactly, because they both seem like about the same thing, but um, they're here, and we still have the same flyway, um, and UFOs are seen here uh, one or two, sometimes six or eight, and... Not like I described from 1953, but they're they're happening. And it's almost uh, once a week, sometimes uh, just
1: several times a month. Okay, this is seeing uh, UFOs. Obviously, we're not seeing more crashes.
9: Yeah, and, and they're flying, we're talking about uh, Las Vegas, across the desert floor, if you look, you can almost snap a line right straight, uh, straight south by southeast, goes right through Red Lake, the Wallapai Valley, and right on out, uh, uh, heading south, and that's just, they fly right through that, and people see them all the time, people driving down uh, Highway 9, modern day Highway 93, uh, coming from Las Vegas or going to Las Vegas, uh, you're apt to see one. If you turn on 68, headed towards Laughlin, Nevada, going across Bill and Valley, uh, you're liable to see one fly through there. And, it's, and they're low. And from what I've seen, uh, in my vernacular, I would call them machines.
1: Okay, what well, Harry Drew, tell awesome. our listeners very quickly, where they can find more information on the things you do?
9: Uh, you can find more information at my website at www.kingmanufocrashes.com.
1: Thank you. Ruben, where can we find more of your stuff?
16: Oh, it's uh, www.roswellbooks.com.
1: And Chris O'Brien, how about you?
2: hey I'm right here at the Paracast Uh, we urge everybody to participate at forum.theparacast.com my website is Our Strange Planet
1: and by the way you can find us on Twitter where we are known as the Paracast and also you can check out our site at theparacast.com to Harry Drew, Ruben Urate thank you both for joining us this week on the Paracast
16: thank you Uh, thank, thank you for inviting us thank you